Good morning. Welcome to Living Way Community Church. We're glad to see you. A little different than what you used to, the structure and order, if you will. But I want to share with you this morning that as you leave here, make sure you speak to somebody. We can't get to everybody in five minutes, but you know what? We can make an effort to uh, let everybody know we love them and we're here. Also, you can check your bulletin for announcements. Look up on the screen. But what we got a lot to do today, and it's an exciting day for us, is we here at Living Way Community Church will install deacons. It is an office that I believe is biblical, uh, and that we will be doing a special service today for three men, which will be Darren, Seth, and Joe. We look to add more deacons uh, in the future. But this morning, uh, I want to go in uh, to the text about what is deacons and why. You see, I think a lot of times through the church and through uh, the misuse of what the term means, and I think that it happens quite often in that churches do not have a full understanding of what it means to hold the office of deacon. Deacon is a God-appointed office. It's biblical. You will find it in the text. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that we, as God's servants, should follow the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd ask that you turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we'll be looking at 1 through 6. You have your Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? After the Gospels, you will have the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the Acts of Apostles. Who Does anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke did. As a matter of fact, a lot of people will say Paul wrote most of the New Testament. That is not true. Luke did. There's more words in the book of Luke and the book of Acts than all the works of Paul put together. Paul wrote the most books. But the most words are written by Luke the physician. It is a continuation. And what has happened is Jesus has now ascended. The disciples, minus Judas, plus Matthias, are now the disciples that are in Jerusalem. The church will begin to grow. And what you will see here, as we get into this text, is an interesting uh, uh, follow of history, if you will. As Christ has descended, the new church, as Peter would preach Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were cut to the core, and what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized. And all of a sudden, the church began to grow. As a matter of fact, it grew daily. The early church met together daily. And they broke bread, and they served, and they worshiped. And the church was added to. And as the church grows, the ministry need grows. Amen? Okay? So what would happen is in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews. Now, you have, and I need to stop here just for a few moments, as the disciples grew. You hear that? The followers of Jesus Christ. He uses the word disciple. Followers of Christ. Matthew tells us to go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and making disciples. Sheep 
reproduce sheep. Shepherds don't reproduce sheep. Sheep reproduce sheep. It's, so, it's up to the shepherd to oversee the flock that the word is sound. But sheep reproduce sheep. But a dispute arose among the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. You see, what is the difference? Hebraic Jews would be the Jews born in Israel or raised in Israel. They spoke Aramaic. Okay? The Hellenistic Jews are the Greek Jews. They spoke Greek due to Hellenization. They were outside of Israel. Okay? And I said Jerusalem, I mean Israel. Those were inside of Israel. Those were outside of Israel. Those inside of Israel spoke Aramaic. Those outside Jews spoke Greek. Because we talked about Hellenization. What was that? When the Greek culture came in, they believed in taking a people that they would conquer and getting them involved in their culture. Okay? Learning them their ways, their language, their arts, their philosophy. And what had happened is this Hellenization, this spreading out, had a culture that spoke Greek. So you have the Greek Jews and the Hellenist, and then the uh, Hebraic Jews. So a complaint rose up that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men, of, listen, of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom who we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole community, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we pray that, Lord, you would use us for your glory. Lord, we pray for these three men who will be in the office of deacon, an office which you established for the glory of you and the ministry of the church. Lord, I pray upon these men that you continue to grow them, use them for your glory. God, I pray as a church that we add more the Lord, we look for those who serve and want to draw close to you. And not only that, God, but see that they, through their words, encourage others to draw close to you. That everyone in this church is ministered to. God, it is our desire to see this church grow not only numerically. Everybody desires that their churches grow numerically. But Lord, first and foremost, spiritually. And Lord, we need men to stand up. We need leaders to stand up. We need all born-again believers to stand up. Serve you with a willing heart. And lead as you lead, that you may be glorified and people be saved. And it is in your name I pray. Amen. So a dispute rose up. Now, I'm going to tell you that you will find in the church that there will always be issues. Now, I want you to listen to me. We're not always going to agree. There will be disputes that rise up and things that happen. 
There will be people who will have squabbles. There will be people who will not necessarily get along all the time. There will be people that will disagree with me. I will disagree with you. But the thing about it in a church congregation, when you see a problem arise, and I don't want to jerk this text out of context flippantly, but think, I think about it like this. When Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus told Judas, what you do, do quickly. I believe, and taking it out of context, that when there's an issue, we deal with it quickly. Would you agree? Because what happens if problems aren't dealt with quickly, they escalate. They fester. When somebody upsets you, you go home and you stew on it, right? Then we talked about this Wednesday. Not only do you stew on it, you tell others about it. And get them to stew on it. Because a lot of times, misery loves company. And when you stew over it and four or five other people stew over it, then all of a sudden if it's let go and let go and let go, it don't just go away. It gets worse. And I want to share that with you to share, you know, here's the thing. I have people that don't agree with me in certain things. As a matter of fact, somebody said something I addressed this Wednesday that I'd said that bothered some people. I told them why I said it. But here's my point. The difference is when we have issues, we deal with them immediately. Don't let them fester. You got a problem, deal with it. This is what happened. Whether it was willful neglect or whether it was an oversight, someone wasn't getting the proportion of food they were supposed to get. So what do the disciples do? What do the leaders do quickly? Come together, we got to resolve this. Because one of the greatest things that Christians can't do or the church can't do is continually not get along. Because if there's continual strife in the body, that time is spent devoted to that strife and not serving God and his glory and reaching other people for Jesus. There's a big difference. There must be a way to walk through and go through things. So this is what they faced. There was a, there was a dispute that rose up. And the Bible says that the 12 summoned the whole company together. The whole company. You know what that means? The whole congregation. They came together. Look, we got a problem. Now, what are we going to do about it? So the apostles, the disciples, the apostles, said it would not be right for us to give up preaching of the word to wait on tables. Now that can come across as a very egotistical thing to say. Now I'm going to address this now because I want you to understand what this means. There is nobody in here better than anybody else. Okay? And I could go on right now and say we're all called to serve. You are. Every one of you. You're called to serve Christ. I'm called to serve. But what happened here is a lot of times there's little fires that rise up. And what the apostles are saying, if I devote my time for the fire, I don't have time for the word. Now go with me on this. It's not that I won't, I'll clean a toilet in a heartbeat, people. I will try to minister to every single human being I can. But I can't always do that. I can't make it to every phone call. I can't make it to every problem. I can't be at every funeral. 
I can't watch over every need. I cannot neglect the Word of God, which is first and foremost. That must be clear. Now, this is where it begins to get a little shaky with people and where churches misunderstand this. We're not saying pastors are above anybody. But I'll tell you this, if you, call, if you have called me to be your pastor, then you expect and you should demand that I spend time in God's Word. Because if I don't, no matter what you think of me, if I don't spend time in God's Word, I have failed God and I have failed you. Period. I must study the Word. Somebody sent a cute little meme to me, and he's not here today. His family's under the weather. But it's funny because it says our pastor trying to pack a whole week's worth of study in 30 minutes. And it shows a man with about a 20-foot plank trying to put it in a Yugo. And there's truth to that. Because what I try to do is come from, you know, try to compact everything. But there's time that must be studied. And I must devote myself to study of the Word. I can't deal with every issue. But the disciples, apostles, had a solution. Let's look upon men who have the opportunity to help us with this ministry. Now, you may say, well, I thought you said we ought to serve. We are. But this is a special service. And I want you to understand this very clearly, what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men good of reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint this duty. Who we can appoint. Who we can appoint to do this duty. Now here's the, de the, de the deal. Serve comes from the Greek, dikero, which men literally means, we get our word deacon from it, but it means to serve which literally translated means this, to kick up dust. That means you're so busy that the dust is flying around your feet. You remember the little cartoons you'd see when they'd take off running in place and the dust would be flying? Maybe you don't. But the point is that your feet are moving so fast that the dust is around you flying, that you're willing to serve. He says, you, prove, you pick seven men. And see, I want you to understand something very clearly. A lot of times people have said and taken it that we want somebody in this day where it says daily distribution and it would be not for us to, pre uh, to preach the word or uh, of God to wait on tables. A lot of people have taken this, ripped this whole text streaming out and said that deacons are the men that's to be over the church first and foremost. Guys, it's unbiblical. Deacons are not elders. Elders are not deacons. A deacon position is a job of service, not dictatorship. But unfortunately through time, that is what it's been turned into and why some churches won't do it. Because of the job. I cannot see in text, anywhere in this text, where deacons are dictators over the authority of the church. They're not. And as I told people, even as an elder, I'm not a dictator, but my job as pastor is to make sure nobody else is one either. Do 
You see, the deacon is a ministry opportunity. It is a ministry to the people. It is a position that God has anointed and called for men to serve. Here's the thing. I've shared this illustration before. But I never will forget something that spoke to my heart that I, I, and it's always ringing my heart, and I use this mantra, if you will, that I found in a homeless shelter. You see, our church that, that, that I pastored went on a mission trip, and we took the youth to a homeless shelter, and we lived with the homeless for a few days. Yeah. Because we wanted them to understand that I don't care what walk of life you come from, we're all created in the image of Almighty God and everybody's in need of a Savior. And we sit and eat with the homeless. We minister to them. We heard things that you would normally not hear. We saw things that most people wouldn't normally see. But the whole purpose of taking our children there and the adults was to see that this is the, world, the real world we live in, and you can be a light amongst darkness. But as we sat there and we eat with the homeless, they were allowed to come in for breakfast and lunch, and they had to leave before 3 o'clock, then they'd let them come back at 7, first come, first serve, and sleep there. That was their life. Two meals a day. And a lot of times we think the homeless are people that have always been poor. That's not true. You see, we met lawyers. We met people that was affected by drugs, that had families. But the whole point, not trying to run a rabbit trail, was one thing the sign said I'll never forget. And I pray that every one of you listen. Deacon, please listen to this. The true heart of a servant is how you react when you're treated like one. The true heart of a servant is how you react when you're treated like one. Because understand this, Jesus makes it very clear that for him to increase, we must what? Decrease. To live, we must die. But if we are poor, we are rich. You see, Jesus talked in opposites. Why? Because the standard that the world sets is based on that depraved heart which everyone has is it's me first. And it's not me first. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. But right here, a dispute had risen up. And he says, brothers and sisters, congregation, elect three men. Oh, I'm sorry, elect seven men from you that are of good reputation. This is important. And I've been building this up and talking about it quite honestly for a while. What would people say about you? <laughs> a good reputation means this. Not only do they have a good reputation inside a church, but they have one outside of it. What do people say about you at work? What do people say about you at family dinners? Man of good reputation, which means men are thought of in the same manner inside the walls of the congregation as they are outside. That it's easy to live like a Christian inside these walls. 
But it shows the real character of man who lives like I'm outside. Amen? Men of good reputation. Men who when people hear something about them, and I'm not saying they're all perfect. And men, I know as you're going through your head that are sitting here that are being ordained this morning, you're saying, oh, what did so-and-so say? I'm going to make sure. Look, we're all going to fail. But that should never be an excuse to live contrary to Scripture. But the world sees that when I do fail, I try to make it right. Good of reputation, number one. Number two, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. You believe what you say you believe. And not only do you believe it, others see that you really believe it. Because if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you. I believe at the minute we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit among us. And he leads us, and he guides us, he convicts us. And greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Christ lives in you. He leads you. He guides you. He convicts you. People, men, who live like they say they are what they are. Number three. And wisdom. Men who seek to grow in God's word. This is very important. Now every one of us should spend time in prayer. They should spend time in the word. Every one of us. But these deacons as they call not only grow in God's word, they share God's word. You see what's very interesting to me and I've been hearing this a lot lately, that everybody wants a special revelation. Wish God would just reveal something to me. And I said this a couple weeks ago, you want God to reveal something to you? Read the Word of God. Everybody wants that burning bush, that lightning bolt, that flaming chariot. Ezekiel saw the wheel. We always want those special things, and I'm not saying that God won't send them, but let me tell you something we have that everybody didn't have. We have the completed word. Men who devote themselves to the study of God's word. He said, pick shoot seven among you. And they did. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. So here's the issue. The ministry side of the church was struggling. And the disciples got, or the apostles got sidetracked. Because there's an issue that rose up. And it says we need some godly men to join us in this work and to help deal with this that we can devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Now let me make this very clear, okay? Like I said a little earlier, and I'm no more special than anybody, but if I'm not devoting myself in time before God, 
and I'm not devoting myself in the word, and I'm not pastoring, I'm filling a position. And I have said this many times. I don't do this for the money. Because I'm going to tell you something. Let me make this perfectly clear. If you ever in any kind of ministry for the money, you better run. Because God's going to get you. And I believe that. You're not in this for any kind of thing. I'm not in this for any kind of reward or for the sake of monetary gain in my family or in this church. I'm not in this to say, look at Chad, how glorious he is. Or look how glorious he ain't. I'm not here for the gratification of myself, nor for my glory. If I am, then it's time for me to be removed. Paul says in Galatians, if I preach a gospel that is contrary to the gospel that I preach you, may it be accursed. You know what that means? And it means be separated from Christ. Because there is no other gospel. And i got to stand firm on it. It's not about my glory. It's not about monetary gain. It's about God's glory. And he alone deserves it. So God give wisdom to these apostles to say we need some godly men to stand side to side with me and come a part of this body to say we will minister to your needs. We will help you. We will guide you. We will pray for you. You see, I can't always make it to every hospital visit. I can't make it to every need. But I honestly believe that God has given us three men that can. Because here's the thing. They don't work for me. We all work for God. And there's a big difference. And the Bible's very clear. This proposal pleased the whole company. Why? As oftentimes the military would say, no man gets left behind. Guys, I don't know everything that goes on in your life. I don't know every need you have. But I can promise you, as the pastor of Living Way Community Church and as these deacons, we will minister to you to the best way we know how, led by the Word of God. And we're learning and we're growing. But I tell you this, and you know it as well as I, you know why it pleased the company? Because they knew that the congregation was cared for. Amen? That's why it pleased them. Because they knew that that occasional call says, you know what, I'm praying for you. When you're sick, I'm praying for you. Whether you have a need, I'm praying for you. If you want to go out and laugh and celebrate, I'm laughing with you. It's okay to smile, people. It's okay to mourn. Here's the whole point of the story. All of us have a gamut of emotions, but we're all in it together. And we are, we are working toward and praying that God minister and use them for your glory. So they chose Stephen and six others, and they stood before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Here, here's the story, and here's where they're going to fit in. The deacons, 
And Living Way Community Church will be servants of the Lord God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. They'll be ministers to the ministry needs of the people. And that is what they will do here. And if I could get the three men that are the candidates, the first candidates, if you will, Joe and Seth and, and Darren, if y'all will sit right here for a few moments. And as I said, we look to add some in the futures as things change with some others. Because what I want to, you to understand is I want every possible way, every way that we can, that we're not going to fix every need. We can't. But we will address every situation that we can and seek godly counsel. Amen? Guys, today you're given a great challenge, and I believe it's a challenge that is worthy to give God glory for. I believe that here's the thing. A lot of times in the church, people select people based on popularity. They base people based on who may be this, that, or the other thing. But here's the deal. It wasn't selected because of anything that you've done, but what God has done in your life. I've heard your testimonies. I've heard your hearts. We may be ordaining you, but God called you, Lord, long before I stood up here. Which means this. I challenge you to seek God in all the things that you do. Continue to do that. I challenge you to spend as much time in the Word and much time on your knees as you can. But I also challenge you to know that not everything comes easy. Just like the good things happen, the bad will too. But you hold to the foundation and the Word of God. And you stand on it and let God deal with the results. It is my prayer that God use you not only mightily, but use the hearts that he's given you to reach others for Jesus Christ. You see, one thing that I have tried to do even in my life is to know and continually remind myself, because I know me, to Lord create me an attitude of service. We all like to go to a restaurant and get served. We all like to be taken care of and pampered. All of us like that. And there's times there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to know in my walk and yours too, that every day that we wake up and sit on the side of our bed and say, Lord, we're here to serve you. Sometimes that's not pretty. But I promise, God will use you in a mighty way. You see, as the men chose these seven men to be the first deacons, if you will, and then Paul will add to the qualifications, if you will, in 1 Timothy 3. But I want you to understand something clearly. 
Your reputation is everything, just like mine. Now, people say what they're going to say. But we should never live to give people an excuse to say what they want to say. But I tell you this. You hold on to your faith because he that promised is faithful. God will take care of you. And I want everybody to understand that these men, after talking with them and praying with them and sharing with them, they're going to pray for this church. I believe that with all my heart. They're going to pray for this church. They're going to pray for you. They'll pray with you. What does this mean? Soon in the next few weeks, we're going to divide up all the families in the church to a certain deacon. And what that means is they will be praying for you, and if you have a need, you contact them. And they will work with me. It's not about a hierarchy. It's about a family that works together for God's glory. Man, I pray that God use you in a mighty way. I want to read something to you. J.C. Laney wrote a book called Marching Orders. The great violinist Niccolo Pagnini donated his violin to the city of Genoa with one condition, that nobody ever play it again. This priceless artifact, what people fail to understand, if it was handled and played quite often, they would be little wear. But what was given as a item to rejoice in became worm-eaten and a worthless relic because it was never picked up. And J.C. Laney says this, a Christian's unwillingness to serve may destroy his capacity for usefulness. May you never lose a heart to serve for God's glory. And men, I am praying that God will use you in a mighty way. And we should all seek to serve God in that manner. Again, we didn't randomly pick these three for the sake of picking. But their walk walked before them. You know, people have asked me, how do I know that God's called me into the ministry? Or how do I know God's calling me into this? You know, one thing it is a test to us to grasp and learn is not only our lives and examining our heart, but what do others say about us? Do they recognize the gift too? God's going to use you in a mighty way. And what I would like to do is in the next little bit, and this is what we're going to do, because I want everybody to be safe. Men, if you would turn around and kneel on the chairs, we're going to lay hands on them and pray. And if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and will pray for these men, you will pray not only that they stand steadfast in the battlefield of spiritual warfare, but they minister as God's called them to minister to. I ask that you pray with them.
You see, the Bible tells me that they laid their hands on him and prayed. Guys, this, ain't, this is not a role that we fill spots for the sake of doing it. This is not something we do simply for the sake of doing it, for the sake of filling a quota. But it's a God-given office given to men who want to serve God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Amen? So every uh, head bowed, every eye closed. Men, if you'd turn around, if we could just, if we could uh, pray. If anybody would like to come up and lay hands on these men and pray, you can come out of your seat one at a time. If you'd like to pray for each one of these men, when you get done, then I will come down and I will lay hands upon them and pray and close us in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come here today. Lord, as we celebrate this great moment, Lord, it's not that we're great, but you're great. Lord, that you have opened the door for opportunities for us to serve you and to serve this congregation at Living Way Community Church. Lord, I pray for these men. Lord, I know the closer they draw to you, the satanic attacks will grow more intense. But God, I pray for that hedge of protection surrounded by armor Lord, as the old song, Be Thou My Vision, Lord, be Thou my battle shield, sword for a fight. Lord, I know that if we hold strong and true to your word, and we don the armor as you give us in Ephesians, that we can prepare for the spiritual battles. But God, I pray that not only do you protect these men as they will deal with the world of spiritual warfare, but you grow their heart for service. That Lord, you use them in a mighty way. God, it's not something that I believe we've done by any means flippantly, but by prayerful consideration. God, I heard your stories and testimony. And God, I know they may be a little nervous and of what's coming on. But I know, Lord, you are the one who is in charge and control of all things. And that your hand is upon them. Lord, I really believe these men's heart is to serve you and the people of Living Way Community Church. But not only that. As they grow in the word, as they grow in their ministry that, Lord, the outside secular world, all three of these men work, will hear of you, will see you. And, God, it is all of our desires through our walk that people would come to know your Son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you use these men to your glory in a mighty way. Lord, if one person in this body comes to know your son Jesus Christ, it's worth it all. 
God, I pray that as we leave here, that our hearts and our eyes are renewed, that we're filled with your spirit, that our desire and our passion is lit on fire by you to serve others because we serve you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing here and what you will continue to do in this church and in these men's lives. And all God's people said, Amen. I asked it before we that again, you come up and you encourage these men and you pray for them. Because again, it's an exciting day for us. This is new to our church. But I will tell you this, if somebody's asked, what do y'all believe here? We believe the Bible is an errant, infallible word of God. And we want to follow it. Amen? I love you and I thank you for this. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Man, if you'll lead us out and y'all do not fail to come up and fellowship with these men and pray and encourage them. Amen? Let's sing.